Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I've picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. This episode is sponsored by Curve Dental Software. At the American Association of Dental Office Management's annual conference, I've had the pleasure of hosting two different panel discussions on behalf of Curve Dental, and they were titled, Managers, What Would You Do? I had put together a group of managers and or consultants, and they were able to answer a bunch of questions that I had for them, but also audience questions. The sessions were a hit, and next year is already being put into place. And by next year, I mean this year, 2023. I have worked with Curve for a while, and when they mentioned sponsoring the podcast, I thought, sure, why not? Let's give this a shot. I do appreciate their love of office managers and the value that we bring to the table. So check out the show notes for a link to curvedental.com slash Duncan to check out the software with a few incentives tossed in. Full disclosure, they are sponsoring the podcast episodes, but I will not receive any kickbacks for your demos or your signups. I just want to bring you information in case you are looking for a change and Curve Dental has just been a really good thing for a lot of people that I've talked to. So I will pop back in later with more information. For now, on to the show. All right, it's another edition of Nobody Told Me That and a little secret here. This is take two because I screwed up the first one, but that's okay. I am with friends who you can do that with. I'm with some billing friends, right? And they are my jam. These are my people. And I say this to my insurance classes all the time, that if you love insurance and you love billing, you don't have to hide anymore, that there's more of us out there. It's okay. You can like, you know, give me a thumbs up as you walk by me in the hallway. I get you. But these three ladies I have on are totally in the same camp. So I have Megan Mackey. I have Estella Vargas. I have Amanda Demora. You probably recognize their names because they have been on Facebook giving out some really great advice. Uh, the main Facebook group that I see them on is Remote Dental Billing Connections, which is, uh, I'll let them talk to you about that. But to me, it's been one of the more fun Facebook groups to be in just to see, because um, it's really like, it's like the United Nations of billing. Like we see DSOs, we see solo practices, we see doctors trying to figure stuff out. And every now and then we'll get some bad players coming in there to give bad advice. And it's great because Estella just kind of says, no, kid, it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> so let me go ahead and introduce uh, these ladies and and they're going to tell you a little bit about themselves and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of billing. So because my screen has changed, guess who's going first? It's Megan Mackey is going to go first. <laughs> Yay, it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> Let's see here. So I have been in the dental field for about 20, 22 years. Gosh, I've done it all from dental assisting to, you know, working for an oral surgeon who even looked at me and said, you know, you need to be a setback and I had surgery, like all of that. But all that to be said is um, I definitely found my niche with the dental billing side. I've had my dental remote dental billing company since October of 2018. And I um, really flourished on my own without working full time in an office right at the height of the pandemic. I was pregnant and just decided to leave. I did uh, because of seeing a need on Facebook with a lot of people asking, how do you work remotely? How do you do this? How do you do that? I did start a, a group and I called it Remote Dental Billing, How to Do It. And just basically, I reached out to all these people like Amanda. I knew she had a company and I was like, hey, can you join? Estella, I knew her and I was like, please, can you join? Let's just basically create a massive collaborative where people can come ask questions and we can cheer them on and then give them the tools so they can either work for these awesome people or they can start their own company. So but because I founded it, I was like, you know, my jam is to more um, uplift and promote other people and their businesses. So I was like, hey, Estella, do you kind of want to put your business name on this? And do you want to promote your business name? Because I'm not in that um, 
on that wavelength right now. So we actually changed the name to Remote Dental Billing Connections. So instead of how to do it's just connections. It's, you know, doctors, office managers, it's, you know, talent, everyone um, there to to meet, talk. And if you guys make a connection to work or help each other out, then fantastic. If not, you're there to learn. So perfect. Well, that's a lead to Estella who's right below you. So let's go with her. Well, thank you, Teresa, for inviting me to participate in this panel. I am a registered dental hygienist with 12 years of experience in general, pedo, perio, and oral surgery. I formed remote, my company, Remote Sourcing, in 2018 because my vision is to guide and serve dentists and their teams to create legal and clinical documentation for patients' records. As a dental hygienist, we're taught in school about preventative care and helping our patients and healing and preventing disasters. Remote Sourcing's designed for that as well as with the billing department, you know, to to do things right so you avoid bigger problems down the line. When there's excellent clinical records, proper CDT and medical coding can be billed on insurance claims resulting in maximum reimbursement. If you outsource your dental insurance billing to remote sourcing, we can guarantee to get positive results and significantly improve your cash flow. And my company's mission statement is we're in the business of serving people, most importantly, helping dental professionals and their patients. Every day we apply and share our knowledge to help people and the dental community achieve success to build a better tomorrow for all. I hope that I can be of service today. Fantastic. And I love that she mentioned documentation because we do need to dip into that for sure um, as we go on with this conversation. So I just want to mention, Megan, you had said that you had a surprise baby, right? So um, you must not like sleep at this stage of the game, <laughs> no. right? Like, <laughs> She's a lot of fun. Let's just say... Um, Husband had an accidental kitchen fire trying to make me a special dinner. And then he was off work for a month. And then nine months later, we have Ember. So we named her Ember and she has red hair. Oh, so she is a. I love that story. She's a surprise. I have a 14 year old. So there's a, a definite gap of 12 years, but it, it works. <laughs> that's called built in babysitter. That's what that's called. Oh, well. <laughs> so, and. Last but not least, Amanda Demora, and some of you may recognize that name because she's been in some of my virtual insurance uh, parties. You've been so kind as to moderate. I send out a call for help to people, and she's always like, "Yeah, I'm down." So thank you for that, and welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me, Teresa. So excited to chat with this group of ladies today, and I'm always in your classes anyway, so I might as well moderate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Much like these other ladies, I've been in the, in the dental space for about 20 years now. Same, started off like assisting in hygiene school, quickly realized that wasn't for me. And I've always had a, a knack for honestly sh solving insurance puzzles. So my company, Essential Dental Services, I've had it for about 11 years now, um, helping local practices clean up their AR and uh, get to the bottom of why their AR was at a million dollars and things like that. And then about three years ago, I took it remotely. So now I have clients all across the country and um, a wonderful team of of ladies that that work with me. And we do insurance verifications, claim submission and follow-up, patient AR, the entire revenue cycle start to finish pretty much. A little bit of consulting when I'm really prodded to do so. When I get onto the Facebook group, all I see is, how do I start? How do I do this? How do I start? And it's always like the first thing I think of, I try not to be too snarky, but the first thing I think of is there's like a ton of files on the side of the group <laughs> that you should go look at. But, you know, everybody starts somewhere. So you all started out and you're now entrepreneurs and that's a tough thing to be because you never know if the check is going to clear. You never know if the contracts are going to keep coming, you know, in much the same way that doctors sign PPO contracts to maintain, you know, patient flow. There's really, we don't do that. Like we have to go and hustle and get clients and hopefully word of mouth. I mean, it's truly word of mouth. So as entrepreneurs, have you all had any moments of fear in your journey? Um, tell me about some of the struggles that you had I had fears about contracts and being able to do things by the book, doing things correctly, uh, hiring in different states because our our billing work is remote. I have the ability to find talent anywhere in the country, but there are ways to do that correctly and incorrectly. So I, I, I initially had a membership to LegalZoom and I took full advantage of that membership for my first year in business. 
I requested meetings and consultations with lawyers in different states just so I could understand the laws and contracts better. So I could understand as a vendor, if I, the contracts that I'm signing are going to be mutually beneficial for me and my client as well, how to get out of uncomfortable situations. Conflict resolution is a big part of being an entrepreneur and having experience in that and people to back you up and systems in place are super important. So those are all very scary uh, moments at the beginning of building your your brand and your business. Conflict resolution, not just with clients, but with your employees too. So one thing that I thought when I left my office, I was like, okay, because HR was like not my favorite. And then when I had employees for myself, I was like, this is the worst HR. This is worse than when I was just managing people. Now they're mine. So I can't imagine, you know, I, and, and of course I scaled back, thankfully, but yeah, you guys are full steam ahead with independent contractors. That must be also tough to manage. But what about you other ladies? What kind of fears did you have? I had same fears also just running a business in general. Like, do I have everything set up right? Do I have the appropriate amount of bank accounts? Do I, you know, should, should I be an LLC? All of those things. So I had hired a business coach a little while after I took it remotely, he helped immensely um, with all of those systems and, and what to have in place there and gave a lot of good recommendations. And in particular, things got worrisome once I started hiring people. So I hired 1099 contractors. You have to know the laws in, in different states and um, what applies to different states and what doesn't. So all of those are are things to think about and things that it takes a while to to research. Um, I would say uh, mine was financial just because I was pregnant at a later age in life, as they called me, geriatric. <laughs> so I was working for a, uh, a bigger remote um, billing company and I was also working in the office and I saved up about six months worth of income in order to have that that foundation of um, income. And then COVID hit and I was almost stranded in Hawaii. I think both Amanda and I were in Hawaii in March of 2020. Yes, at the same time. <laughs> and um, almost didn't get home. I think the next day is when they shut it down. And, you know, it just, but all that to be said is I had that, you know, financial cushion and I don't know, I've always been a hustler. I've always been an entrepreneur. So I, I knew that once I got started, there was a way whether I could just go to some offices in town or whatever. I just, I have no problem with that. I mean, back when I was a dental assistant, I was a blackjack dealer as well. So I know I have, I have a way to hustle. I'll, I'll figure out, Ooh. I'll figure out a way to make money, but. Uh, Ooh, I'm learning yeah. things all the time. I love, that's like my favorite game. I got to get some tricks. From yeah. That, that, <laughs> that and, yeah. you know, all the high gal, three card poker, all of that fun stuff. But um, all that to be said is it was, you know, hiring an accountant, um, even learning how to do 1099s for my uh, contractors. It's It's been a huge um, paradigm shift as far as thinking, you know, going from an employee to a contractor to an owner. So, but because of these gals and, you know, having resources just to talk with each other and text each other. And I mean, Estella has been a massive support. I've called her a few times, even though she's East Coast, I'm West Coast. I'm like, Estella! <laughs> can I get your advice? And she's like, oh yeah, yeah. She's just like, she's a wealth of information. So it's just, it's, it's really fun. But it, she's very well respected. Very well respected as well. Thank you. So, yeah. Well, so what about these doctors though? When you get your first doctor, do you know for sure what you're doing? Like, did you guys know what you were doing or were you just like, I'm going to do something and whatever they need? Or did you decide dumpster fire? Did you decide consulting or did you decide systems? Because usually what I hear is somebody will want to be a consultant and the first gig is not what they wanted at all, but they took it because they wanted a gig. Tell me about your journey, which I get, but tell me about your journey on that. Oh, girls, I'll start real quick, but I, I haven't found my <laughs> niche yet. I tend to do uh, too much. Um, I, I give away a lot for free. I recently been trying to help offices map themselves and learn how um, they're stacking um, but with all the changes and with all these different TPAs, third-party administrators changing all the time, I'm going to um, go away from that because I feel like I might give the doctors incorrect information if the network changes. I love credentialing, but at the same time, if you don't have a doctor who complies and gives you the right stuff, you know, you can't fully credential them. So I think right now I'm sticking with the dumpster fires. I would love to team up with these ladies and basically just help offices that want to sell 
and who have like a really bad dumpster fire, but need to have a beautiful AR in order to have a broker look at them. But again, that's just my ADD thinking of everything. I also, I also want to make dental shirts that are funny and sassy. I mean, there's just so many things. So I don't have my niche down like these ladies do. I'm kind of a, a wild card right now. Well, let me just say, this is going to go out by the time it gets published. If somebody hears why well, I give away a lot of stuff for free, don't call her for that. Because by the time we get off the phone with her, she's not going to be giving stuff away for free. So as as a new consultant or as somebody who's who's sort of in the early stage of the business, Megan, I'm going to tell you that don't give away stuff for free because those people that take it for free will continue to take it for free. So there's my free advice to everybody there. That's it. That's the only advice I'm given today. I'm done. Thank you very much. No, I'm getting to the mic. I love it. Yeah. No, but seriously, it, it's something that is, and I'm speaking to the new billers out here, not really the, the doctors that are going to hire, but the new billers out there, it is tempting to give away a lot of stuff for free because you know it and you're thinking to yourself, well, I know it. So how hard is it? And then it becomes a habit. And then you find yourself giving free advice instead of actually making money where, and you have to think of your families, right? Like you owe it to your families to not give free advice. You owe it to them to put food on the table. That's kind of how you have to walk it back. So. But I went on a tangent, so who wants to go next? (laughs) (laughs) I'll go. The first office I ever helped, like, you know, clean up their AR, I literally knew nothing at that point. I had only been in dental for like three years, (laughs) I think. And they had hired me part-time. It was an ortho office, also knew nothing about it. And I actually worked there kind of like part-time, a couple days a week, just chipping away. That was a very interesting situation where it was a family member working from him, for him and gosh, he thought she was stealing and it, it was a little crazy. People were sabotaging me. I think we've all been there. <laughs> That's not a good situation. I'd be on the phone with MetLife, should be hanging it up on the other end. Oh my it, gosh. It was, but that was a huge learning experience. I learned so much in that year um, and then just kind of kept snowballing from there. I mean, that was 15 plus years ago, so... Yeah, that that's kind of how I got my start. But you really like the de novos, though. You like you seem to be focused on de novos. You do like the dumpster fires, right? But I keep hearing you say de novos, so I just want to put that out there. She likes that stuff. I thought I was trying to stray away because obviously I have a, all of my clients are monthly, long term clients. That's that's the goal. But the dumpster fires keep finding their way to me, and they tug at my heartstrings. So I can't help but but help them yeah yeah well there's always going to be dumpster fires so believe me if you want to have a business on just fixing dumpster fires none of us are going to complain because we can't we can't handle them all Estella how did you how did you map out your business I was very hard on myself in the beginning and I I strive for perfection and that can be a big flaw because perfect is not always possible and every failure that I have I learn from tremendously and I take feedback to heart. So all the negative feedback I get, either from clients, from contractors, from colleagues, whoever, I use that as a learning experience to improve the business. And I'll tell you a story with my first client. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I'll be honest. I didn't know what I was doing. I like a legal zone. I, I grabbed the contract from legal zone and it was I think it was 28 pages, the contract, wow. because it just added just, you know, filler words for every type of clause in there what happens in this situation or that one? What state are they in? What state are you in? And it just made everything more complicated. When the client read that very long contract, they expected answers to questions that they had. And I was struggling in the background. Like, I don't even know how to answer this question. (laughs) And it was an EagleSoft office. And at the time, I didn't know enough about EagleSoft to fully support the client. So I hired someone to work with me and work EagleSoft. This person interviewed very well. Their skills assessments were passed with flying colors. And then this person started posting payments. And then when I went back to review their work, which is very important for any of us to do quality checks on the work, there were mistakes. Adjustments were done incorrectly. Payments did not match a check amount. Uh, The deposit slip doesn't match a scan. You know, so I, I found these mistakes and I met with this person. I believe too many times, too many chances. I gave to this person. And in the end, I ended up refunding the client. I corrected all of the work and it was a very expensive lesson for me, but I've never made it again. And I can tell you, I know how to post an EagleSoft. <laughs> Gosh, it would be nice if it was so uniform though, across okay. the software. It like, really just makes things difficult, but I mean, it's the nature of the software. So 
you mentioned that you were hiring people. So that's, I know part of all three of your business models. I did that. I don't do that anymore, but you, my model is just different. You all don't call me for AR cleanup or dumpster fire. I don't do any of that. Call these ladies. <laughs> you all do need to hire people. So where do you find them and, and how do you screen? Cause now, so I'm sure you have them do all sorts of stuff with you screen, <laughs> but how do you screen them and how do you determine? And, and then, yeah, what is the limit for like, if they screw up one time, two times, three times, like where, when's the kick point? I find the majority, I think lately of my team members from the Facebook group, which is awesome. I, I say this a lot when asked, but literally for every 60 or 70 resumes I get, I might contact four people or, or five. Um, I'm very, very selective. Um, they had to have been a practice manager. I really try to offer my clients a lot of knowledge and experience. And that's how I try to differentiate from other companies. So, and I think everyone on my team pretty much has over 10 years experience right now. That's great. Yeah. I find them usually Facebook groups. I ask a lot of questions and try to throw some trick questions at them. And what would you do in this situation? We kind of go from there. And the first month is a trial. And I usually start everyone off small, um, like literally insurance verifications. If you can't handle that, then you're not moving on to <laughs> payment posting and, and adjustments and things. I've been lucky right now, and anybody that I've hired is in my circle. I haven't branched out in, in that degree. So yeah, hopefully the remote delivering connections is helpful. Hopefully it's like that one app out there that you swipe at. And then also <laughs> those employment sites where it's like, you know, one beautiful cafe where people sit down and meet. Now I've been lucky. Yes. Remote sourcing is actually exclusively hiring from the Remote Dental Billing Connections group because those are the people interested in doing remote billing. So they come there looking for answers, looking for work. And, you know, I, you know, it, it is managed by remote sourcing, but it's open to all billing companies and anyone freelancing looking for work. Recently, more dentists have begun to join. Um, group practices are joining and they're starting to look for employees to work remotely for them. Because there is a benefit to that. You you start to see that the talent is no longer limited to your local pool, but now you can hire anyone nationwide. It's a blessing and a curse, right? Because you have the ability to work with them remotely and they could do all this, but then it's a lot of work for you all to have to go in and double check things all the time. You know, that's that is a part of what you said, quality check. That's part of what you do. And but if you don't do it, that's the one time it's gonna bite you. So that's that's the important thing to learn from there. When you are talking to a doctor and you're looking to onboard them or the office. Well, actually, do you guys talk to mostly the doctor or the office manager? Is it mostly doctors that you talk to? Um, I would say 50% for me. Yeah, I was going to say 50-50 okay. okay. probably. So when you're talking to them, we we had in our earlier take one, we talked about managing expectations. How do you, how do you talk to them and manage their expectations before you bring them on as a client? And have you had to fire anybody? A client-wise, not, not employed, clients. <laughs> Those are the better stories. <laughs> I have a presentation when, when they're about to launch services so that we explain how the service works. You know, the doctor's fully aware by the time we launch how everything works because I've had several conversations with my team. But when we're launching, there's a slide specifically that says what we will not do. And there's a, there are several things there that say, do not ask us to do X and Y because we will not do it. Do not ask them for this because it's not going to happen. <laughs> so we try and set those expectations from the first time that that staff meets us. Nice. You mean you're not going to change the provider on the claim form and then send it out so that way they can get a better PPO reimbursement? Huh. I'm very triggered right now just hearing that question. <laughs> Let's hold on to that. Let me clarify. And I don't do that either. <laughs> no, we're going to hold on to that and we're going to hold on to the documentation piece because <laughs> that's where we're getting a little bit juicy. So. What do you do, uh, Amanda and uh, Megan, for managing expectations? I think for offices that are kind of a big project, it's a little messy. I try to manage expectations right from the beginning um, and, you know, ask them how amendable they are to change. And are they really open to it? And do they think they're really going to follow these suggestions? Um, I haven't had anyone say no to that, but usually you can kind of pick up on the feel of, whether things are going to go smooth or not. I have had to let one client go 
just one so far, knock on wood. Um, so being upfront right from the very beginning is helpful, I find. Yeah, I would agree um, with having the clear boundaries. Obviously, the boundaries that I have, I need to be better with myself and giving things away. Because once I get in and start seeing things, I'm like, oh, you haven't raised your fees ever. And so I start looking at like their fee schedules. And so I kind of tend to have that ADD side as well, where I'm like, let me prove myself how good I am. But um, now that I've been in the business for a while and I have consultants who are like, yeah, Megan's fantastic. It just, it, it helps solidify me and um, what I'm doing is that I'm yeah, making a difference. But I would say the clear um, communication boundaries and then also showing them monetarily, you know, where they're losing money and then where also they can gain money just for them to have that paradigm shift in thinking and going, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. I need better notes. Then I'll get paid. Fantastic. So, well, let's talk about that. When you show them something, and I think you had mentioned earlier crown buildups. Oh, yeah. Can you explain how that makes such a difference by finding those lost opportunities? Go ahead and tell, retell your story. <laughs> so, yeah, I have um, a wonderful office in Colorado, and their poster did not realize that when she saw on the claim form, it said, you know, buildups are considered inclusive and you need to write it off. And so I was like, oh, no, no, gosh, I thought we chatted about that. Hold on a second. I pulled a report for the whole entire year for Cigna for that code. And I went on to the Cigna portal and I just did a reconsideration for every single one. It was probably like about a good 30 people. And they had quite a bit of money coming in within a week. And so that was a great learning opportunity for me to say, hey, listen, you know, especially for Cigna, they need to have the seat date. They have to have the seat date and then they will pay. That is a little trick for anybody who's new. Cigna, 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 crown buildups, please send them the seat date and they will get that paid. I don't know. I guess I always ask questions too if something's not paid. You know, hey, mm-hmm. is there an appeal? Is there a, a downgrade? Is there something else? That's kind of, I guess, my MO too. Is there some low-hanging fruit that you guys look at when you take on a new client to find revenue? Like, is there something that you go, well, I bet if I looked at this, I'm going to find that they're not doing X, Y, Z. Well, for me, it's the perio department. As a hygienist, I can't ignore that. So I, I can't, it's just not in it. And I often see, you know, improper documentation, uh, quality of care, I'm sorry, standard of care is not being met. Perio charge not being completed. Perio uh, department is under diagnosed. So th- that that would be one of the first low hanging fruits I'd look at. Yeah, because if you, you know, if you've done some scale, you're playing in there's no 4910s on the horizons. Like, what are you doing here? You know? So do you, Amanda, do, are there any clues that you look for in an office? Actually, the other day, one of our clients, we noticed that they were doing, they do fluoride on everybody, so adults, but they, adults, they never bill. And we said, why aren't you sending, I mean, send it, and at least if you wanted to write it off later, I'm not going to get into the legalities of that, but whatever. <laughs> they were sending no adult fluoride at all, and we said, hey, some of this is going to get covered, so send it, and you do your adjustments later, but they had no idea. They just as a blanket statement, weren't doing it. So their reasoning was that it's never paid, so we just don't send it in. Were they charging for it and the patient was paying it? You know what? No, I don't think they were charging oh for it goodness. either. See, this is the stuff that just kind of goes, wow, it just like makes you realize like we've been all doing this a long time and you come into people, you come up on people that have not done this a long time and they they do these things because you know, there's offices that don't bill for crown buildups because it's too hard to get paid. There's offices that don't bill for pulp caps across the board because Delta doesn't pay it. So none of the other companies must not pay it. And so they just don't bill for that either. So I'm sure that there's a whole bunch of others that we could talk about that um, are low hanging fruit. But that's why it's important to bring people in to kind of take an outside look at your business. You've heard us talk about all the challenges faced by dental billers and there's more to come. Seriously, it's an already tough job that is often hampered by inefficiency. I hope this episode highlights how much easier it is to work with the right tools to save time. And we know time is money. Curve Benefits Advisor helps dramatically increase collections because it enables you to check each day's patient eligibility on appointments while in their treatment plan, while looking at their invoice, or on any additional screens in Curve software. It helps to obtain incredibly accurate patient insurance status for those carriers who do offer real-time checks. Now, this puts you in a better position to discuss deductibles and yearly benefits while you explain all these clauses and cost containment measures to your patients. 
We know those conversations. We love them, don't we? <laughs> Curve Dental's treatment planning design makes it easy to customize and update our treatment plans. When you plug in insurance coverage and can offer insurance benefit estimates, then your acceptance rates increase. I know what you're thinking. Sometimes the benefits we actually receive aren't what we thought. This is something that all offices face, unfortunately. You need a software that can help you stay updated on those wayward plans so that the next time you do an estimate, it's already accounted for. I'll take any help when it comes to discussing benefits with our patients. See how Curve can help you with their benefits tools. Check out curvedental.com slash Duncan for a demo and pricing specifically for Nobody Told Me That listeners. Again, that's curvedental.com forward slash Duncan. Remember, I just love their product, but I do not get anything from any individual sales from this podcast. And now back to the show. When you bring on a client, when they sign up, are they looking for six months, three months? Like, are you, do you think that they're looking for more long-term or are they looking to put the fires out? Most all of my clients are long-term. I mean, quite often there's a large fire to put out immediately, but it's long-term maintenance and having that stability of consistency, the same people, the same systems and processes, posting your payments, doing your adjustments. Um, I think a lot of uh, my clients might have high turnover. So training someone at the front office over and over and over is is getting to be too much for them. And they find they're losing revenue, obviously. How has that affected you all? I mean, obviously, it's keeping you all busy, but is it frustrating for you all? I think it's frustrating. So I assign one or two account managers to each one of my offices, depending on how big they are. Uh, I think it's frustrating for them to always have someone new at, at the office that they might have to get in touch with. But I, myself personally, I don't really have a problem finding team members to work for me because I feel like everybody wants to work from home. I don't feel like there's a shortage of dental billers. I just feel like there's a shortage of dental billers that want to work in an office. <laughs> in an office. Okay. Okay. What about you all? I don't know. If you can pull the billing and the aging and the posting of payments out of the office, it just creates such freedom for the team. I mean, it's such a heavy weight when I would be sitting there, you answer the phone, you're posting the payment. Oh, hold on a second. Checking in a patient, checking out a patient. I mean, office managers and business admin, they do so much. And so if you can release that and outsource it to people like these rock stars who, you know, are leaders in the industry, then you're going to, one, save money, but two, also save your team members. They're, you know, mentally going to be better. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely huge. It's what it does. Even the insurance verification. If you can get one beautiful, really detailed verification once a year and then just keep following it up and keeping the plans. I mean, there's just certain systems that, yeah, if you put them in play, you're just going to have so much success. Burnout is a real issue. I mean, my friend Lynn Leggett does a lot of coaching around burnout, and she has never been busier. And it's really because of what you just said, like as office managers, we are dealing with staffing and restaffing and restaffing, and we still have to pick up the slack and do our jobs. And I mean, honestly, to me, it's a gift to bring in outsourcing for any task that you can take off of his or her plate. So I think I think that would be a good way of, of handling that. Stella, how, how has team turnover or staff turnover in the office affected you? We have a lot of um, leads that come from dentists that initially lose a staff member. Somebody goes on maternity leave. Somebody's in the military, their husband, and they have to move. You know, situations like that. And it's team members that they loved having. And it's it, sometimes it's hard, it, big shoes to fill because this person set systems up for them. Uh, sometimes we find that they're not correct. And so, you know, it, it, it has to shift. Like Amanda said earlier, you have to shift their mind about changing systems. But then they want to be short term, though. As soon as I find that replacement, I'm going to cancel services with you. And we say, okay, as long as we're on the same page about expectations, we're okay with that. We can fill the gap for three months, six months, whatever it is. But then sometimes, you know, they'll bring in that new staff member and then they start seeing how the staff member works and they'll, you know, we'll cancel services and they'll call me three months later. My AR is a disaster again. Please help. What do we do now? You know, so it, 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 there's two sides to that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, um, giving our patients candy, like right? it's just continuing to 
to bring business around. But that's in the end, that's not really what we want. I mean, right. I, I, I love repeat customers, but at the same time, it hurts me that they come back because I know it's not because I didn't do it right. It's because something happened in their office. Now they have to re regroup and redo it yeah. again. And that's that's always hard to see. It's hard to hear about. How are you dealing with these doctors that want you to do things that are not particularly um well, they're just not ethical. They're not they're right, both. but they're not ethical. I'm sure you guys hear it because we hear it in all the Facebook groups. My doctor wants us to bill under this NPI. My doctor wants us to use this fee schedule and that's not going to work. And I, we're supposed to write off everything. I mean, what are you guys hearing and, and how do you handle that? Like Estella said earlier, yeah, the biggest thing is they want to change the treating provider. That happens all the time. Or I think some of them know that that is fraudulent and some of them honestly really don't. Like, some of it, it's part of our preliminary phone call. They're like, oh, yes, but uh, we're only billing under this provider. And then, I mean, I, I have to stop them right there and say, you can continue doing that, but we will not be working together. Yeah. <laughs> so until you, you change that. And I do let them know that that is fraud. Yeah. I think I need a snazzy slideshow like Stella that says we will not do X, Y, Z. But I, I definitely verbally let them know. And then sometimes we don't know until we're in there that something isn't right and we obviously bring it to their attention at that point i'd say about a quarter of my offices really weren't billing under the right provider and it's tough because they hear from other doctors well it's such it's a short time here it's a couple months how are they gonna they're not gonna catch us and i gotta tell you all that and you you three know this but the insurance carriers all are on Facebook too. It's not like they don't know how to find Facebook. It's not like they don't know how to find your Facebook groups. I mean, I'm in touch with many of the carriers and they're always amazed. The ones I talk to when they go onto these groups and people are sharing how they're getting around this loophole and that loophole. And we've been doing this for a while. And then you go to their profile and they're like, well, there's their office. Okay. So let's go pay them a visit or let's run their claims through. And it's like, man, do I really need to make a PSA, a public service announcement about stop talking? Like, <laughs> just stop talking? But you got, see, so you guys hear it all the time and we see it too in the, in the groups. What is that conversation like though? Estella, have you had that conversation? Because I'm sure you were pretty much just like, no. <laughs> many times. I've had the conversation many times. I, I approach it as, you know, they don't know any better. They don't know what they don't know. You know, like Lois says, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, oftentimes they don't know that they're asking what they're asking us to do is breaking a rule. You know, I think a bigger issue is that dentists aren't aware of the fine print in their contracts with the insurance companies. Take Connection Dental, for example. You know, they're a third party administrator. When you read their contract, it's straightforward. It doesn't dictate too much. It doesn't, you know, set up all the rules on like a Delta contract that will tell you, you know, this is inclusive. We're not going to pay for this. This is how it works. But the, the hidden detail in the connection dental contract is that they don't take responsibility for claim processing. It clearly states there, you are subject to that insurance company like Carrington, MetLife, Guardian, Cigna. You're subject to how they process their claims. And the dentist doesn't know how that works. So they might be asking us to do something that does not align with the contract they signed. And when you sign a third-party contract, you're signing a contract with the connection dental and every insurance company under their umbrella. Yeah. That's definitely a fine detail that is not discussed often enough. What other crazy things do they ask you to do? <laughs> they they ask to bill for things that um, are unbundling is a common thing. Uh, for example, like bill separately for anesthesia when it's included in, in the CDT manual says it there. Yeah. You know, endoperio, oral surgery, anesthesia is included. Billing for a comprehensive perio eval and D0180, but all they did was a perio chart. And they didn't even do a complete perio chart, just the probing depths. Those are the common things. Uh, the core buildups, I look at the clinical notes before I send that claim. I look at the x-rays and the imaging that you take. If Many times, it's not a core buildup that they're completing. They're completing a D2949, which is a foundation for a crown. So it's it's a lack of knowledge, I would say, the biggest issue. And they it, hearsay, a lot of hearsay. Like they hear from the colleague, they hear from so-and-so. The rep, the, I, we have a big problems with... Uh, supply reps that they they say well this is a new laser device and these are the codes you can use or this is a new way of doing something and these are the codes you can use and those codes are not actually the appropriate codes to use absolutely yeah. the let me just put a shout out to biolase because they reached out to me to create a billing code for them or to update their billing code uh, manual for laser procedures it needs to be updated again because the codes have changed but 
the fact that they reached out to me, it was because so many doctors were asking their reps questions and they were like, we don't want to give this advice. But I know for sure that other companies are giving that advice. And some of them, they have these little tear sheets, uh, you know, comes off of a pad, they tear it off a pad, they actually have it printed up with here's the codes to bill. And I think the other side of that is medical billing. They're telling them to bill to medical, but then they just drop it in their lab like a hot potato and walk away. You can't just bill medical. It's not like a magical thing. Like you have to be set up, you have to be credentialed and, and reps just drop it like, hey, you can make a ton of money here. So do you all do medical billing? I only do with wisdom teeth, but I I send it out because my software doesn't have the um, the CM1500 form for medical. So I ask the patient for the medical insurance and then I send it on a dental claim, but I put the medical info. And then I also put the diagnosis and the pointers and everything like that and just state on there. Dental requires, you know, this to go through medical first for the deductible. Please send me either a payment or a denial, EUV, something, anything. So that's the extent that I do it, but we did do it a lot in oral surgery where we did have the software that had medical claims, but it's a whole other beat. I don't mess with it. What about you ladies? I don't have any clients that, that bill medical either. And it is a whole other beautiful beast. <laughs> oh, it is. If you think so, Amanda. Okay. So <laughs> I send it to, I send everything to Christine Tex and she's my go-to for medical just because I don't. And I have this in my classes. I have it in a slide in my classes. Don't call me for medical. Here's all the people. And I list like five names. <laughs> Please don't call me for medical. I love that. You're going to get fined if you take my advice. So don't do not do that. The other part of dental is that we have a lot of new people coming in and they don't understand that there is fraudulent. There is the capability of filing fraudulently. The claim form when you submit that electronically, that's actually a contract. That's an electronic document. You've maybe you've actually committed fraud by sending that that document. So there's cases where the, even the office manager has been in trouble for sending claims that they knew were fraudulent. How do you all train your people to not do that? Because I'm sure they're getting asked, and are they tempted to do it? Or they all generally run it by me first. But honestly, I mean, like I. I don't mean to keep saying how awesome my team is, but they are. <laughs> and they'll bring it up to me like, hey, they're doing this. They pick up on a lot on their own. That's fantastic. Um, but we do kind of outline a couple things, more than a couple things to look for right off the bat. And I'm like I said, I, I'm pretty hands on with the accounts first before they're truly flying on their own anyway. So. We have weekly powwows where the whole team, you know, get, they get a chance to join in, ask questions. How do I deal with this scenario? They all talk about each other's clients and, you know, things that they've dealt with, how they've managed that. And then they all, always, of course, for the founders, they ask us, how would you handle this situation? You know, and a lot of times if they're being asked something that is sketchy or they're questioning the legality of it, they'll say, let me get back to you. And then they run it by us, like Amanda said. So when you're meeting with your team, First of all, I want to be a fly on the wall for those meetings because that's where you find out like all this stuff is happening, right? All three of you are meeting with your teams. What are you hearing out there is, is trending? Do you see any billing trends happening? Do you see clearing houses that are better than others? You don't have to name names, just we need to you know, know, is there one that's a clear winner? Portals, like uh, earlier, Megan had mentioned that the Cigna portal is actually not so bad, the one that she has to use. So what are the trends that you're seeing as far as how easy it is to handle insurance? Well, with the clearinghouse, uh, something that happened, and I will name names, um, <laughs> but no, it's 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 just it it just happened in the industry. Uh, Vine bought NEA, and I'm not sure if you talked about this in other podcasts, but now Vine owns the rights to NEA. The majority of insurance companies that do accept electronic attachments, their systems were designed to only work with NEA. When this happened, Change Healthcare, which is another large clearinghouse they have to create their own system. And so we now have the CHC attachment number, no longer the NEA number. And that took quite some time for insurance companies to catch up, update their systems. For the longest time, we had a delay in payments because they weren't getting the attachments. You know, and the clients were complaining, you guys aren't doing your jobs. And no mm. matter how many times we would explain that it's a clearinghouse problem, and we have to mail these attachments in or submit them through the portal, they wouldn't understand that. So it's 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 been a lagging thing for insurance companies to catch up and it doesn't it's not convenient for them anyway because they have to spend a whole bunch of money up, upgrading their their software and their system so 
and not having those attachments delays claim payment, which keeps money in their bank accounts a little longer. You guys see any trends with coverage, denials, anything like that? Yes. So here's a big one now that I get questions all the time. Delta Dental. Let's use Delta as an example. They they send to, you know, they create things and insurance companies, I've noticed they tend to follow suit. Right now with the Delta Dental of California, if you if the doctor takes an x-ray, they take a panel and they take bite wings on the same visit, Delta has their computer, they have a, a robot pretty much that auto-adjudicates claims that don't need attachments or don't need uh, clinical review. They'll see that the panel, let's say, is $70 and the bite wings is $50. The, the combined fee is $120, but the doctor's contracted rate for an FMX is $80. So the, the bite wings on the panel being more than the uh, FMX automatically causes that claim to be reprocessed. They bundle the codes together and then they pay the fee of an FMX, which is the $80 fee. If the patient has already met a frequency with their FMX, they'll deny all x-rays outright. In the past, we used to be able to appeal this and say the bite wings are not inclusive and they don't follow the frequency of a panel or FMX. And it used to get paid, but now they changed the processing policy. They changed the contract and we can no longer appeal that, specifically with Delta. That is something that it's very valuable in these groups when you do share type, you know, scenarios like that, because that's the stuff that we find out um, on the back end. It's always something that we find out. Whereas there's only a handful of us, I think, out there that are actively reading the provider processing manuals ahead of time uh, to find all this out. And even then, like I'm kind of stunned by some of the stuff. Have you guys heard about this waiting period now? where um, it's a waiting period for crowns and bridges. And so the, for the first 12 months of the waiting period, it's a two-year waiting period. For the first 12 months of the waiting period, it's covered at 40%. And then after that, it becomes uh, covered at 50%. No software is set up for that. Like we are now, everything's on a sticky note now. Everything is a note. We're processing it manually. We have to remember, oh, with this plan, and we've got pop-ups here. They're really parsing it out. And it's getting more and more difficult to track. And no, so no wonder we're getting patient bills all the time. And that's, that's a problem because there's not enough trust in the industry as it is. I just want to talk, I guess, about Delta Washington because I feel like my state's the problem state that starts all the Delta issues. Like, <laughs> I just want to apologize for that. And I hope that a trend that just follows the weird Delta, Delta Washington doesn't allow me in the office to appeal for patients. And it just, it's really hard because have the, the verbiage skills or the knowledge to send their own appeals. And so I just, um, as an advocate for patients, you know, that just, that kind of breaks my heart. I will give you something to work on. Make a letter for your client as part of the new patient paperwork where they can sign a waiver allowing the dentist to appeal on their behalf. And I have those letters set up too, and I have good communication with the patients. And so I'll just write the letter for them and then they'll send it. With insurance the way it is, it's not real insurance. It's a coupon. It's just the benefits just aren't there. And all that we're doing to fight and advocate for our patients for 1500 bucks just sometimes really kills me. Hence why I want to have sarcastic t-shirts made, you know. <laughs> well, we will blast that out when you get the Yeah. The conversations then that you have with the team members, are they asking for training on how to handle this stuff with patients? Is that anything that they're asking you for? Because I'm sure you guys at Scope Creek, right, where you're doing one job and then they're like, oh, you're so good at this. How can you do this? Can you train my team on how to talk about insurance? Does that come up a lot? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I wish that you could see Amanda's face. She's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like sometimes as the remote company or the remote team, we tend to get abused a little bit or like. I mean, some doctors just really don't understand what they even hire us for. I, one of my offices, it was actually the office I had to fire, had reached out to their account manager and said, oh, could you call like a few patients about like random things, their treatment? Or I was like, that's actually not the services that we're providing for you. Oh, it was, can you call a patient and tell them I'm running late? <laughs> we are doing your claim submission, though. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I do kind of get that question. Can you can you train our staff or can field phone calls from patients explaining their bill and, you know, their ledger to them? That's that's common for sure. Right now I'm dealing with a lot of helping with verbiage going out of network and how to explain that to patients once they once they get the letter from the insurance company 
and trying to explain how the third parties are going to pick up and how that works. It must be difficult, though, to hold to keep track of that, though. That how are the third parties going to keep up with that? Because how are you going to map that out? It's difficult to map all that out. Yeah. For this specific office, we're only going to have one third party plan, and that would be through like Connection Dental, because that's for this office. Our state is the highest paying. And then I took all the percentages of every single insurance that was used last year. And ironically, a lot of the big ones are kind of small. Our biggest one is Delta at 46%. And then I think Cigna's at 2.63%. And I'm like, wow, that really puts it in perspective on the demand of insurance. So, but also helping with the verbiage skills of, hey guys, this is, you know, how we explain it and just being genuine with it. You know, I'm all for scripts. I want them to be genuine versus just completely canned because everyone's different on how they feel about that. I get asked to do lectures, CEs, lunch and learns. You know, they're like, we'll pay for everything. Just show up and they need to hear from someone else. That's not me. The dentist and the managers do not feel supported by the staff. It's a big problem. There's a disconnect. And sometimes they, they, they feel like they need to hear from that third person, letting them know that what they're doing is not okay, or they need to support the dentist. Do take those intraoral images, you know, help the hygienist probing, help the team, you know, be uniform and, and everyone will, everything will run smoother. And I do get asked that question a lot. And I have to reiterate time and time again, if there's no dentist, you do not have job security. It is your job to protect the dentist. Yeah. They sign your paycheck. Make sure they're protected. Help them out. <laughs> it's pretty funny to hear that, though. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, well, you got to, you know, you got to push them a little bit to, so that they don't get their license yanked, right? Yeah. We mentioned uh, documentation earlier. Let's do a little bit of a round robin. What's your wish list for documentation? Like, if you could wave a magic wand and fix a doctor's documentation and more than one answer is fine. I have some doctor's clinical notes that really leave a lot to be desired. So really, I mean, as detailed as you can, intraoral photos, PAs and bite wings. I mean, updated FMX every three to five years. All of those things would be a great combination. Yeah. Uh, notes done the same day <laughs> as treatment. That seems reasonable. Yeah, that yeah. seems reasonable. <laughs> Not to everyone. <laughs> I, for me, it's a justification. You have to justify the treatment you're rendering on that patient. You have to have documented proof. It's not just for the insurance company. It's for the board. It's for your malpractice insurance. It's for you mm -hmm. getting sued, liability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For me, the one top thing on the wish list in the clinical notes is a diagnosis. Tell me why this patient needs this treatment, please. Mm -hmm. I can gather and extrapolate a lot of information from images, but I cannot... I'm not the doctor. I cannot make that diagnosis. You have to do that. Megan. Um, you know, what's funny is EMTs have these um, gloves that they have. They're a little bit thicker, but on it has all the vitals of the patient while they're taking care of them. And I thought in the dental community, we need one that has pre-X-ray, intraoral picture after buildup, post-X-ray, you know, like all these things. I'm like, maybe that's what they need, you know, but I think it's just the training because if I could have those um, x-rays and those pictures, I can definitely give a good narrative. But like Estella said, I need the diagnosis from them. But, yeah. you know, that's just only because I can read x-rays and I can read, describe the pictures. And as long as you have a picture, wow, that's, that's how you get paid. It really, really is. The burden needs to be on the doctor to make that clinical note. Like mm -hmm. that needs to be number one. And it's not that I want to make doctors' lives harder, but I mean, Estella said it perfectly. I worry that they're going to get their license yanked. I worry that they're going to end up in front of a court and a jury that is not full of dentists. It's going to be full of people who think dentists are painful people and make a lot of money. That's who's going to be judging your case. So yeah, let's, let's make sure your clinical notes are up to speed. Anything else that you guys would love to see in the clinical notes? What about when you're taking like a full face, like do you guys want a full intraoral image? Does that help? Or do you talk about, you're talking about just like intraoral image of the, the actual affected site? I prefer, even in clinical, when I did it, I prefer having, when new patient comes in, that new patient should have intraoral images of every single tooth in their mouth to document what is already there, what's been existing. And then that should be sufficient for later on to justify treatment needed. Take a new picture, show that amalgam broke off the buccal wall, you know, show continuation of care. Okay, good, good, good. Amanda, any thoughts? I wish some things would be left out of the clinical notes. <laughs> yes. 
The other day I saw a, it was a two unit little bridge, a kind of a cantilever bridge. And right in the clinical note, it said, doctor informed patient that insurance probably will not cover. Oh, jeez. Are you writing that in there? <laughs> yeah, financial stuff and, is not cool unless it's the patient stating it, you know, that, that that's why yeah, they're and, not getting it done. But yeah, insurance notes, that shouldn't be in there at all. No. Like the word insurance should not be in your clinical notes at all. It was odd. But little things like that. I mean, a lot needs to be left out. That is what for, you know, the memo section or little note section patient's chart is for, not for, for personal notes. Where do you all see dental billing going? Do you see us going towards medical? Do you see us consolidating carriers? So I know the ADA is working on their enhanced CDT codes, right? Oh, they're working Snowden. on it. I No, not Snowden. They're talking about the, the CDT 2.0 where, and hopefully, I haven't heard anything about it, so it leads me to believe that the comments were not favorable. I hope. Yeah, I, it's going to be a disaster, so... I'm with you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to make sure people who were oh, talking about. No, so. yeah. You probably know way, way more than, than I or, or the rest of us about about that particularly. But when I was reading about that, that just sounded like a nightmare. I mean, it's basically like a code and five like subcodes of material you use, you know, what kind of impression material, bonding agent. Like, we're struggling right now as an industry and you want to slap that on to an office that can't find staff and qualified staff that just seems crazy right well in a celebrate and that really is it's available to you Snowden, for people that aren't sure it's the dental version of, of diagnostic codes and it would be smart just to use that but the enhanced cdt is they wanted to make that different and maybe incorporate Snowden, but it would be its own thing but Snowden's not off the table either where we would use our existing codes and then there would be those what we call modifiers explaining why we did what we did prognosis time it took i mean basically describing the procedure sorry that's i just wanted to make sure people understood what snowden was because if you haven't heard it before you're gonna curse it now you know what it is so sorry sorry about that <laughs> yeah currently i think it's only being used in universities and research at this time but it's yeah. not widely accepted yet yeah i think it's coming and i think if it I mean, I know some of the people that are working on it and honestly, they're doing a good job. And if they are in charge of rolling it out, it will be a good job. But to Amanda's point, we can't get bill people to bill correctly now. Yeah. Can you imagine what it's going to be like if we make the complexity overnight, like double and triple? It's coming. I believe it's coming, though. Uh, I Every year I see more medical plans having more dental Riders uh, and, and limit, limited services available. But for example, right now with Medicare Plan C or Option C, my mother-in-law has that and she has implants that she needs and it's all going to be fully covered. It was shocking. And it's yeah. a PPO plan. She can choose her dentist and they're going to pay, you know, unlimited. She doesn't even have a limit on the amount. So she'll go to an oral surgeon, get her implants, go to a dentist, get her abutments, get her crowns, and it's all going to be covered by Medicaid and at PPO rates. You know, there's a lot of confusion around that. So you're reading it and you're like, okay, I'm a biller. I should be able to find what's wrong here. Yeah. I look for it. I kept looking for it. <laughs> Megan, what are you seeing? I would probably say it's not what I'm seeing, but I would love to see the maximums raised versus what was, you know, established in the 1950s, I believe. Like, you know, if we're going to be catching up to medical, let's actually catch up to medical and, you know, raise some of this. I mean, I believe you've even mentioned only what, four to six percent of patients max out their insurance. Yeah. And it's just, it's just such a small amount. So, and I would love to see some um, standardization with the deltas and like the portals and everything like that. Some are just fantastic. Like I love the toolkit. Delta of California, I'm getting used to it only because the whole time is like an hour and a half. You know, if we could just have some systems in place, you know, that would be, but that's, that's a huge ask. I mean, come on, that's how many, 38 Delta dentals to ask to get on this. Yeah. Page, but... And if they were all using the same software, it would be easy, but they're not. All the software is different. Before we wrap up, because I know we're at the, the top of the hour uh, or top of our time here, EFTs, how easy or hard is that to implement for your clients? Super easy. It is It is easy to implement. I personally, you know, we charge a fee for it, but I try and get the doctor involved so that they do it themselves for security purposes. I don't want anyone in office or outside of the office having access to the doctor's bank accounts. 
uh, you know, our embezzlement experts I use interviewed in the past, they'll tell you, you know, they'll create uh, a, a fake bank account under that doctor's business, put themselves as signers or allowed to be signers, and then they will sign up a small EFT company to that. Uh, I mean, insurance company to drop in little payments here and there that the dentist will not figure out. It won't trickle in. We work with accountants as outsourced billers. And I love our relationship with the accountants because we create systems that allows them to cross all the uh, cross all the T's and dot the I's to balance out the, what's in the practice management software with what's in the bank. It is easy. The problem is the fees attached to those EFTs. MetLife, Cigna, Aetna, they used to allow free EFTs. Now they partner with Zealous and that's no longer the case. Now you have to pay a fee. Change healthcare charges a fee. And so the dentist is just being nickel and dimed from every avenue. And now the insurance companies don't have that burden on them anymore to send out those payments. But I just found out yesterday or two days ago that Illinois had put in a, uh, a law. That it's in Congress right now. I believe they're lobbying for it to make it illegal for the insurance companies to pass on any fees to the dentist. And I hope it takes off and it goes to all 50 states. I hope so, too. Shout out to Dr. Bill Simon. I know he's spearheading that. So hopefully that can that can come to pass. One thing that I was just made aware of, and I had heard about it coming, but then I just forgot because I didn't hear anything more. Usually I hear, you know, from people, what's this, what's this? So it popped up and usually when something pops up twice, three times in a, in a time period, I have to pay attention to it. There's a company called Instamed that is very big in medical. And what they do is they offer one portal for the patient to access their dental benefits and they will then pay the provider through that portal. So you'll get a patient payment from the carrier, but they send it as a virtual credit card. And so that's yet another way to assess a, a virtual credit card. I mean, you can obviously do the same thing to kind of to pass that on, but I don't like it because it it tells the patient, this is how much you owe. And then the patient pays it and they think that it's done. It's not taking into account any appeals that we may have to file or any wrong EOBs. Like we all know these EOBs can be wrong. So the patient pays it thinking everything's done. And then if there's an issue, the issue looks like it's coming from us, not the carrier. And so that's another way of, uh, you know, kind of getting in the middle of that relationship. I'm not a fan, but I think if it's Cigna, Cigna was who had used it, these things do catch on. Other carriers do watch to see if it's being implemented. And so that to me is the next thing I think we're going to start hearing a lot of complaints about. Have you all run into that yes. yet? I have so yeah, several clients that I've had to sign them up for the instrument portal because they even send letters to the provider saying, if you don't sign up for the portal and accept these funds, either through EFT or virtual credit card, we will be submitting it to the unclaimed funds of your state. So they're not yeah. even offering to mail the check to the doctor. They don't get an option. I don't agree with that. I don't either. And I think the only way, the only remedy is legislative. That's the only way to fix that. But as we all know, that only applies to our fully funded plans in that state unless we get a national law going for that. Any other thoughts on future of dentistry and dental billing? Yes, I do. For fee-for-service practices, it's a, you know, that's always the recommendation. Get away from insurances, become fee-for-service. You're never going to struggle with these things anymore. It's going to be a problem of the past. That only applies to true fee-for-service practices that collect payment up front and they make their patients submit the claims themselves. If the dentist or the practice or the DSO is doing the submitting of the claim for the patient on their behalf as a courtesy, they are still under, like you mentioned, on that claim form is a contract. You will still need to abide by those state and federal laws. It's very true. It's a good thing to point out. We have a lot of changes coming up. Any others, ladies? No, I mean, what is all said? I mean, you're still following up on claims. You're still doing appeals. I think people think it's this liberating thing. And besides the payment part, patients paying up front, you're really still doing all the legwork there. I think it's harder, honestly, to be out of network for this one reason. We don't know what the fee schedules are that they're paying on. So there's more ambiguity in payment than ever before. Uh, we're, we're quoting prices and it comes back double sometimes, you know, what, what the amounts are. So I think we have to be very careful. And But you know, there's that raw, raw on Facebook. Just get on the network like we did. Everything's great. Everything's fine. I just go, oh man, just, oh yeah. You're gonna man. go very, very <laughs> slow. It's the very few that are very vocal about it, but it's not the norm. Yeah, right. So how slow, how slow, Megan, how uh, slow? 
I'm doing about three at a time, but they're the very small ones. Like I'm talking in my spreadsheet, it's like, you know, 0.1%. You know what I mean? Small guys just kind of going slow. Cause I'm at an office that has, um, had like, you know, 30 insurance. It's like, it just, it's a slow process. I don't know. I guess my only uh, suggestion for the future is, you know, if your team's tired, then please look into these ladies and, you know, outsource, 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 outsource. Your team will thank you. The office managers might be scared at first, but listen, we're just here to support you. We don't, we're not going to come over and take your job at all. We're just going to help you. It's, it's like a weight being lifted. I can't even tell you how amazing. She really is a cheerleader. You notice that she's <laughs> yeah. driving business yeah. to you too. She didn't mention nope. her company. Not like, at all. Megan's in there too. I'm going to put all of your information in the show notes and I'm going to put in here next to Megan's. I'm going to put something like she's not free anymore. That's what I'm going to write. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Oh. All right. So I want everyone to go to the remote dental billing um, connections page and check out what's going on over there. Even if you're not looking at, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, you're going to learn a lot of things and you can always at least see the trends because those billers will be talking about it. Highly recommend these three ladies highly recommend the Facebook page and hopefully you will all check them out. Thank you so much, ladies, for for being on the show today. I can't thank you enough. You are just rock stars in your own right. Yes, you, Megan, you too. <laughs> Go ahead and, and take us out. How can they reach you, Megan? How can they best reach you? I guess, you know, Facebook from the remote page or if you're wanting to, I've got a website, 509assist.com. Stella? You can check out my website, remotesourcing.me, remotesourcing, S-O-U-R-C-I-N-G. Sometimes it doesn't get spelled correctly. (laughs) And uh, check out my blog if you'd like to learn more about billing, coding, uh, how to get things paid. I definitely go into detail about the clinical side of things and why you can get things paid just by explaining yourself on a clinical standpoint. She's so humble. She didn't even notice that she has like a regular column in Dr. Buck Husband. Oh. She doesn't even mention that. Listen to her. So, all right. Amanda, how do they find you? So, my website is essentialdentalservices.com and um, my direct email is amanda at essentialdentalservices.com. I'm always happy to chat and offer a little free advice. <laughs> but not a lot. Okay. <laughs> All right, ladies, thank you so much. And dear listeners, you know, I always appreciate that you hang out with me. We're all super busy. So thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.